Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It is wonderful to be here with you this morning. Whether you're online or you're in the house with us today, God is still with you. It's one of the most wonderful things about him is that he is everywhere. And we are grateful to be in his presence, to worship him with each other, and to just uplift the name of Jesus this morning. I love you, church. God loves you.
Church, we're the redeemed. We're the ones, right? God is calling us to prophesy and to sing of his goodness. To sing of his goodness. <laughs> and we are the ones that get to hear the winds. It's not an audible sound, right? It's inside. We can hear the Holy Spirit's wind blowing within us. And that's when we move, right? Like when the Holy Spirit calls us to move. Let's sing that chord, uh, the Let All the Redeemed. Let's sing it again together. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Move upon our race, sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, 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 blowing. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, 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 blowing. blowing. Move upon our praise, sons and daughters. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. blowing. We need a fresh wind, fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Spirit out. Pour your 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 spirit out. Pour your
Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, on this day, come. Hear the cry of your people and come. Daddy, we're desperate for you. We're desperate for a move from your hand. We, we're desperate for your grace and your love. We're desperate for your power. We're desperate for your cleansing. We're desperate for your forgiveness. We're desperate for a breakthrough. We're desperate for signs and wonders. We're desperate for miracles, Lord God. We're desperate for strongholds that are shattered. We're desperate for your light to come into the darkness of our hearts. God, we're desperate for you. What we don't need is a good church moment. What we need is more and more of you, less of us and more of you less of us and more of you. Daddy, hear the cry of your children this morning. Those you redeemed, Lord, hear the cry of the worship of our heart. Not the song of our lips, but the worship of our heart that says, come Holy Spirit. We need you. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh infilling. We need a fresh breakthrough. We can't do it. We can't live right. We, we, we can't be holy without you. We're frustrated, we're sinful, we're broken, we're dysfunctional without you. Pour your spirit out, a fresh wind, a fresh wind, a fresh wind, a fresh wind, Holy Ghost, that's what we need. Not just a day that we celebrate Pentecost, but today that we experience Pentecost. Holy Spirit, come. That's our prayer. Following us like you fell in the upper room. Fresh wind, fresh breath in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're bringing our praise as an offering this morning. We're bringing our worship as an offering this morning. We're bringing ourselves as an offering this morning. Here we are, have your way, Jesus. We give you the glory, the honor, the power, and the praise. Let your kingdom come. Come on, church. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give them a shout of glory. Bring your praise into the house this morning. Bring your offering of praise. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We don't come to get from God. We come to give to God. The fact that he gives us anything is how gracious he is. When all we deserve is death and he still blesses us with abundant life. Come on, church. How good is our God? I am so glad you're here this morning. Those, this, this worship that we're singing. I just want to go to it just one last time because... Margot said something that's so true. Here's the reality about the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of it. Like when it's windy outside, when it's a blustery day, you don't ever question whether it's a blustery day. You don't go, I don't think there's any wind, I can't see it. No, you see the effect of it. That's the Holy Spirit right now. You may not be able to see them, but look around you. You're seeing the effects of them. People who used to be in the club, people who used to be sleeping around, people who used to be addicted and broken and dysfunctional, they're standing next to you with arms lifted up, praising God. You are seeing the effects of the Holy Spirit, the wind of God. This is not the effects of religion. Religion does nothing. You're seeing the effects of the Holy Ghost in this room. And this is just the beginning of the wind. 
I believe at the beginning of a win because God, Jesus said the same things I have done, you might do. You could do. You shall do also. That's the wind. Come on, can you lift up your hands? Can you lift up your hands and your voices one more time? Move upon our praise, sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Let all the redeemed. Come on, Lord, we're the redeemed. Prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Move upon our praise, sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, 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 move upon our praise, sons and daughters sing, we can hear the wind blowing, blowing, we need a fresh wind, we need a Jesus, the fragrance of heaven, pour it out God. Pour your spirit out. Pour it out. Open hearts. Open lives. Pour your spirit out. Redeemed minds today. Pour your spirit out. 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 Hallelujah. Daddy, may that be the cry of our hearts today. And the fulfillment that's found in this room. The fulfillment that's found online in every room that someone is sitting in and perched in this morning. That your Holy Spirit finds them, fills them and overflows in them and out of them and through them into the world around them. Daddy, we need your Holy Spirit in this world. Daddy, we cry out again. Another useless shooting last night on South Street. Daddy, we cry out for the families, for the friends, for the neighbors. We cry out that your Holy Spirit find them today, wherever they may be, and, and, and bring about your healing peace in the midst of it. Heal our nation. Raise up men and women who will speak truth and love. Bring hope, light in the midst of darkness. Fill us with your Spirit. Because we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, Lord God. But they have to bow at the name of Jesus. So we proclaim your name above all names, above the city of Philadelphia today, over New Jersey, Lord God, over Pennsylvania, over America, over this world, over cancer, depression, addiction, sickness, sadness. God, over every stronghold, seen and unseen, we proclaim your name, Jesus, above it all, and say, let the redeemed say so. We say it is so. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Amen. I believe it for freedom today. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, so glad you're here today. 
Thank you so much for coming to be a part of today. I don't know, I could have just been in worship for the rest of the day. There's something about pressing in. Can I encourage you this morning? And just let your, e- your ears be open, your heart be open, receptive to what God wants to do in your life. I'm so glad that you came this morning. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Connect Church. If this is your first or second time, thank you for coming, being a part of what God's doing here. We hope that you will pray about making this your family. For us, church isn't about a Sunday morning event. It's about learning to live life well together. And that's what life is meant to be. It's meant to be lived out together. And so can we just give a shout out to everybody who's online today as well. We love you. Thank you guys for tuning in. We know that we have so many who are still on vacation, struggling with sickness. Uh, Pastor Danielle sent her love last night. We were watching fireworks out the window and she fell backwards over something and twisted her ankle really badly. And so she's, we love you, baby. She hasn't hurt Paul this morning. She's, she's at home. But uh, look, God's here, and God's where you are. And I hope that you've come for more than a religious moment, that this is a seeking. The Bible says if you seek him, you will find him. How, how, how good is our God that he doesn't want to conceal himself? He wants to reveal himself. It's not hide and seek, folk. He's already found. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, we are family, so just take a few moments. Uh, before we sit down, turn to somebody, give them a high five or a fist pump or whatever they feel comfortable with. But say hi. Welcome to the, uh, tell them you're glad that they're here at Connect this morning. Woo! Want to give a special shout out to Pastor Irene and Pastor Ron. It is their 29th anniversary today. So awesome. Happy anniversary, guys. Ron robbed the cradle. We know that. It's all good. She was a child bride, very 29 years old. No, you know, it's awesome that they actually are, are just uh, a little bit ahead of Danielle and I. And it's been such an amazing privilege to, to follow them um, as a married couple. And I really encourage you, you know, Ron and Irene have, have lived... Uh, this journey out with God through all sorts of thick and thin. And they have such wisdom on how to live out a holy marriage, how to live out a holy life. Whether you are married, want to be married, someday will be married, hopefully will be married again, they're great people to talk to. Because the Bible says when you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. What? When you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. So I believe that. Um, And that's why this isn't just always about having a good sermon. This is about understanding gifts in the church. Gifts in the church. People are gifts in the church. And so, Ron and Irene, you guys are. We love you. Happy anniversary. So, so glad. Uh, So glad. So thankful. Well, this is not a normal Sunday, as you can tell. Uh... If you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to Leviticus chapter 23, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the third book of the Old Testament. If not, it's going to be on the screens. But today is Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. Um, And for many of us, maybe our main connection or maybe even our only connection 
to the concept of Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2 when God pours out his spirit on the church. We've been singing about it all morning. Pours out his spirit on the church. And we're, we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But if that's all that we know, we're going to really miss something beautiful. Just like a few weeks ago when we went through the whole Passover, the Feast of Passover, and we got to see Jesus in it, when we actually get to understand where these things come from, we understand this beautiful picture of the love of God. That God has been loving you and telling you how much he's loved you for millennia. Like for millennia upon millennia upon millennia. Before we even realized what it was, God was actually laying it out for you. Because he didn't want you to be surprised. So when we get to see these things and we begin to understand where they came from and what they mean, we get to see a bigger picture of the love of God for us, and we get to see a bigger picture of who Jesus is. Matter of fact, that's actually what we've been talking about in some of this, is that when we look at Old Testament moments like this, they're not just historical. We have to understand that the Bible actually says, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul says that these moments were shadows but the reality is found in Jesus. So sometimes when we're, we're, we're looking at the Old Testament, we're like, man, the Old Testament's boring. It's just a whole bunch of offerings. No, 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 it's all Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul doesn't just say it. Jesus himself says it. In John chapter 5, verse 46, he said, look, you believed Moses. You should believe me because everything Moses wrote about was about me. Jesus is saying when we look back at these things, they're not just about things that happened. They're about a revelation of who he is who he was, who he is, and who he always is going to be. Because why? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we look at these kind of moments in the Old Testament, we have to look at them, I always like to teach, as a three-layer cake. Food's always a good thing. I like cake. Sometimes too much. But look, you look at these things as a three-layer cake. There's a historic layer, there's a prophetic layer, and there's a spiritual layer. Now, historically, it means that these things happened. They happened in history. They were real events. This feast happened for hundreds of years. Still goes on today in the Jewish world. That prophetically, it is fulfilled in Jesus. So when we look at it, we can see Jesus. And spiritually, it applies to you and I. Now, each one of those layers can stand on its own. Right? You can look at it on its own. But isn't cake better when you eat it all together? So that's when we actually look at this all together, we understand the bigger picture of what God is trying to do, how much he loves us, and what he's try, been trying to show us for millennia. So historically, historically, Pentecost, which we're celebrating today, was one of the three major feasts that every male, uh, adult male, Jewish uh, person had to pil make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for. So when you read the Bible and it says Jesus went up to Jerusalem or he went up to Jerusalem for the feast, it's one of the three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So he would go to those sort of things. Jesus went to the feast of Pentecost since he was 13, every year. What, what's so, why is that so important? Not only because he participated, but think about it for a moment. He made the feast. He created it. He was the fulfillment of it. And yet he still chose to participate in it. Why? Because he was not, he made it his custom. Because he was not above community. He wanted to be a part of the community. That's the beautiful nature of God. He doesn't do these things so he can lord above you. He does these things to show you and I. He wants to be a part of them with us. 
This is the very nature of who God is. Now, in Hebrew, it is not called Pentecost. It's called Shavuot. It just means the Feast of Weeks. Because it's seven weeks plus one day. Seven weeks plus one day is 50. That's where we get the word Pentecost from. Penta is the Greek word for 50. So it's 50 days. It's the Feast of 50 Days, or seven weeks plus one. And it's, it starts at the end of Passover. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But what I love about this is that it's seven sevens. It's seven sevens, seven weeks of seven, and then which is the number of completion, plus one. Seven plus one is eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And the Feast of Pentecost is all about new beginnings. It is the new beginning. It's a new way of life. It's about living in a new covenant with God, filled with a new power of His Spirit, established in a new hope, and believing for a new harvest from God that's available for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. It is a new beginning. So what we're talking about today is a new beginning. It's not a better religion. It's not becoming a better person. It's not adding more to-dos or not-to-dos on your list. This is about how you and I get to live out this new life that Jesus bought at Passover so that we can live in it now in the promised land of God. Because that's where we are. So let's see it. Let's see where it comes from. Leviticus 23, verse 9. It's also Deuteronomy 16. It's all throughout the Old Testament. But it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, talking about the promised land, and reap its harvest. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Because God's intention was never for them to live in the wilderness. God's intention was always for them to go into the promised land. Because the promised land is abundant living. That's what Jesus promised us in John 10.10, right? I have come so that you may have life and life more mediocre. Life more depressed. Life more uh, 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 like uh, sitting on the sidelines. I've come that you have life and life more abundantly. See, see, this is where discipleship is. Discipleship is lived in the promised land. See, believers believe, like the children in the wilderness, believers believe that the promises are true, but are unwilling to take the risks because of the obstacles. A disciple says, I don't know there's obstacles. Come on. I know there's giants in the land. Caleb and Joshua did not deny the fact that there were obstacles, but they just knew the giants might be big. Come on, somebody, but my God is bigger. This is the difference. God is saying, when I bring you into this land, by the way, it's not an if, it's a when. When I bring you into this land and you reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On that day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Let me explain for a second. This is the feast of first fruits. It's the last part of Passover. It's the end of Passover. It's why these two feasts are intricately, intricately, that was easy for me to say, intricately connected, right? That when Passover ends, Pentecost starts. They are two sides of the same coin, one fitting the other. It's the completion. Actually, that's another word for the Feast of Pentecost is atzeret, which means the completion. That this is the completion of what started when God got the children out of Israel, I mean out of Egypt. It wasn't just to free them from slavery. It was so that they could walk in the abundance of life. 
It wasn't just to get you out of sin. It was so that you can w- li- live in holiness. It wasn't just to get you out of your sickness. It's actually to get you into your health. Come on. That's what God is trying to do. This is what this is all about. It's why they, where one ends, the other begins. Now, this is still the last day of Passover, this Feast of first fruits. So why am I talking about it in Pentecost? Because on this day, this is the first fruit offering. This, the Bible says, is Jesus. This is Jesus. After Passover, the last thing that happens is the first fruit is given and offered back to God. This is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says that Jesus Christ was the first fruit of everybody who fell asleep. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he became the first fruit. He became the first of everything else that was going to happen. He became the prototype, and we begin to follow that. What I love about this moment is that the first fruit offering in Passover was made out of barley. It was made out of barley because barley was the first thing that was harvested in Israel. You could plant it in the fall, and it would actually begin to grow in the spring. So it was harvested in the spring. But the thing about barley is this. In Jesus' time and in antiquity, barley was associated with the poor. That's what the poor made their bread out of. Do you remember when Jesus breaks the five barley loaves and the two fish and give it away? He got it from a, from, from a young boy. This is a, a sign of the poor. But what I love about it is that it symbolizes that Jesus, the resurrected king, is for every class. There's no one who is kept from him. No matter what your status is, you don't have to be rich in spirit to be able to get a hold of the resurrected king. He became poor so that you and I could become rich in in him it's available to everyone regardless of the spiritual condition you find yourself in man i hear people say all the time pastor you don't understand can't come to church yet gotta get myself cleaned up my friends no you don't first of all you can't get yourself cleaned up without jesus so all i'm saying is the bread is available for the poorest of poor the jesus is available to the poorest of poor inside of us you don't have to get yourself cleaned up he'll do it Oh, by the way, what I love about this too, this is just a little nugget for you. Uh, Leviticus 23 verse 13 says that that offering, that first fruit offering, mm, was made with bread and wine. And the bread and wine made a pleasing aroma unto God. That doesn't sound like Jesus at all. Isn't that what he did in saying breaking the bread? Isn't that sound like communion? The very beginning, the end of one of Passover. When Jesus is resurrected from the dead as the first fruit of the first fruits, kicks off this, this day, this feast of Pentecost, which then becomes even more about first fruits. Look at verse 15. It says, So after this, after that day, the end of Passover, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days, you shall count 50 days to the day after the Sabbath, of the seventh Sabbath. I'm going to stop for a moment. You shall count. You shall count. This whole festival was about anticipation. There's a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement, a a sense of what is going to happen. There's a, a sense of expectation. 
It's like a bride waiting for her wedding day. She's counting. Come on, ladies. When, you were, when you, your wedding day was within 50 days, you started counting it down. You had a countdown. There was a sense of anticipation that something was going to happen. There was a trust that something was going to happen. That's what Pentecost was doing. After they, after they were freed from their sins, come on, now they free from slavery. God says, come on, count with me. Count with me. I'm about to do something. Count with me. I need your attention for a while. Count with me. Don't don't just get through the next 50 days. Count with me because I'm going to do something. I just want to say something to somebody in this room, maybe online right now. You may be in day 18. You may be on day 8. You may be on day 28 of the Feast of Pentecost. I'm here to tell you day 50 is coming. God is doing something. You just wait. You just wait. You just wait with that sense of anticipation. That's why it was not odd when Jesus during this time period says in Acts chapter 1 to his disciples wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes because they were already their whole life was trained to wait in anticipation for the promise to come. See, they didn't have to know how the promise was going to be fulfilled. They just needed to know that the fulfiller of promises would fulfill it. See, there, there may be something in your life that God has been training you up for. You haven't even understood it. You've been going through it and been going through it and been going through it your whole life. Why? Because God is trying to bring you to a place of breakthrough. A place where he is saying, oh, oh, you may not understand it all yet. But I made the promise. I'll fulfill it. You may be on day eight, but day 50 is coming. Come on, does that ring true in someone's heart today? It may be day 28, but day 50 is coming. Not because we deserve it. He is faithful to the promise. Hey, guys, wait in the city. Just count with me because I'm about to show off. That was Jesus. Verse 16 says, Then you shall, then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling place two loaves. You can underline this. Two loaves of bread to be waved. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven. Underline that. Because remember, Passover was unleavened. This offering is about leavened bread. It's going to be a first fruits. See, at, Pass at Passover, it was a loaf unleavened. In Pentecost, it was two loaves with leaven. Why does that matter? Because... Two loaves symbolize us. It's new grain and new wheat with, with leaven. Two loaves, Jew and Gentile. God is telling you in Pentecost that the promise that I made to Israel is not just for Israel. It is for the Jew and the Gentile, the male and the, and the female. Come on, the known and the unknown. It is the lost and the found. It is two waved together because that's what the Bible, that's what Christianity, that's what the Spirit does. He takes the two and makes them one. He takes two communities and makes them one. He takes a sinner and makes them a saint. The two become one. This is out of new wheat. New wheat. Do you realize Matthew 13, 30 says that we're the wheat? We are the wheat. We're wheat. We're part of the harvest of Jesus. And it was made with leaven. The Holy Spirit, leaven. Leaven was an agent of growth. From the very beginning, Pentecost has been about this. God wants to put something in you to grow you. 
God wants to put something in you to grow you. Notice he did not expect the wheat to have leaven already in it because inside of wheat there is no leaven. In your natural self, there is no way to grow with God. God puts in the leaven so that it can grow. The leaven that you and I need is the Holy Spirit who was poured out on that room. We can't do this thing on our own. From the very beginning, we get to see this abundant teaching from God. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, Paul says, Jesus was the first first fruit we follow. It's what started in him is birthed in you. If, the, if Jesus needed the Spirit to have effective ministry in this world, how much more do we need the Spirit to have effective ministry in the world? If Jesus needed the Spirit, isn't that what the Bible says? That the same Spirit that was in him now comes inside of you and I? The same Spirit that raised from Jesus from the dead now dwells inside of you? This is what we're seeing here. This is that, those promises are not a mistake. Those promises are a fulfillment of this. What I love about, what I think really cool about First Fruits, by the way, in this Pentecost, uh, in this, uh, Pentecost uh, thing, is that when the, 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 the first little bit of growth that starts to happen, a little bit of growth starts to happen in the plant, the farmer would take a string and he'd go out and he'd tie it around it. He would mark it so that he would remember which one was the first fruit. He would mark it so that he would remember which one was the first fruit. Well, Jesus was wrapped in a linen, placed in a tomb, and became the first fruit. Then the Bible says Jesus marks us. Ephesians 1.13 says that you were marked by the precious Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Again, what Jesus started to see is a little bit of growth, a little bit of the seed of the truth of the gospel starting to sprout inside of you. All he needed was a little bit of the seed, a little bit of the sprout to come up, and he begins to mark you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the multiplier of growth. See, my friends... We are Jesus' Pentecost offering to the Father. You and I are Jesus' Pentecost offering to the Father. He marked us, and he waves us up to God. He gave us to the Father. That's what James 1.18 says, that we are the first fruit of everything that God created. What I love about this festival is that it is a feast of thanksgiving. It's about a harvest, about bearing fruit, about the supernatural provision of God who brings us into a land flowing with milk and honey. What I love about God is he doesn't say, figure out the way to get there. Create the path, your own self, to abundance and breakthrough. Figure out the way through the wilderness. He says, when I bring you to the land, flowing with a provision I already made for you. You don't... He, the reward is not there post you getting there. The reward is there before you get there. The healing doesn't happen because you showed up. You showed up into the healing. You, you, you didn't get the breakthrough because you were so good and figured out how to get to the land of breakthrough. The breakthrough was already there. So when you follow the Holy Ghost, you wind up in the place of breakthrough. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what this feast is reminding us of. The provision is there before the person. 
My God is faithful to his promise, even when we're faithless to his word. They were faithless to his word, and yet he still had a land flowing with milk and honey. He didn't create the land of milk and honey when they got in. It was already there before they got in. Come on, that needs to speak to somebody today. There, is a, there are breakthroughs already there. Follow the Holy Spirit. I love it. It says, oh, by the way, it's about bringing in the harvest. There were seven fruits, all of them are here, that were brought in on that day. There's barley, there's pomegranate, there's dates, there's figs. I'm going to eat one of these. There's grapes. This is good, too. Olives. Fantastic. Wheat. No, I'm good. All these things were brought. Do you know why these are brought in the Feast of Pentecost? Because they were all staples. They were all everything. They were all things that would bring people to the table. They were staples of regular meals. This, everything here, was just a staple of Mediterranean food. It's what brought everybody to the table. Even in this, we can begin to see the heartbeat of God for you. God wants to bring you to the table. You've heard me say a thousand times, food is people glue. It's, probably, it's partly why we have a, a, a food truck ministry. Food is people glue. What God was trying to do is to remind us that Passover wasn't just about getting out of slavery so that we could be forgiven and set free. It was so that we could live as community, so that we could live life and do life together, something the American church has forgotten. Church isn't about a come in and get out moment. Church is about we are called to live life together in community. When, when you ate together in the Jewish world, you were saying whether you knew the person or not, this person forevermore was going to be family. The moment they sat down at the table, you said, this is my family. When you and I come to the table of God, when we come to Pentecost, we're family, whether we act like it or not. But God is saying, come on, let's come to the table together. The Bible said that they were loaded on carts. They would adorn the carts with olive branches and golden horns and all sorts of amazing things. And they would bring their offerings to Jerusalem. They would bring their tithe as an act of worship to God in celebration. They were excited about this. They loaded up their carts with all sorts of the first fruits of their tithe, of who they were, and they brought it to God as a celebration. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. I know that I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, because we're in the New Testament, we are free from the curse of the tithe, right, uh, in Malachi 3. That may be true or not true, but you're never free from the worship of the tithe. Because the worship of the tithe says in this that it's from generation to generation. They would carry the baskets on their shoulders, and they would give them to the priest. And then the priest would offer it up to God. Then this is awesome. Then God would say, since the tithe came in and you offered it up to me, priest, I give it back to you. Why? So that you can give it to the people. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and I? When he's on the cross, the Bible says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus gives the spirit up to the Father. The Father gives it back to the priests. And the priests are meant to give that to the people. The Holy Spirit is not given so that you and I can have gifts and have fruits and look like pretty trees, come on somebody, with fruit hanging on them, or be boastful about the gifts of God that we have. The, 
Jesus offered up his spirit. The Father gave the spirit back to the priests. And the priests were meant to give it to the people. What a promise. Aren't you glad that we don't live a purposeless life? Someone said to me the other day, I just kind of believe that God died so that we can go to heaven. I said, that's a byproduct of the death of Jesus. The purpose of the death of Jesus is so that we can give him away. So that we can be a part of bringing him into the world. The Holy Spirit is meant to be given away. It was a gift from Jesus to the Father, from the Father to us, and from us to the world. That's part of what we're celebrating today. Holy Spirit drops in the church. So we can speak in tongues? Yeah. So that we can have gifts of power? Yeah. So that we can have charismatic church services? Yeah. But the real purpose of the gifts of Pentecost, that they were offered up from the priest to God, God gave them back to the priest to give to people. We cannot miss why the Holy Spirit has been given to us to make a difference in our world. How many of us know, I just said, three dead last night in Philadelphia, South Street. What, 12 miles away? 12 wounded? Was that fourth or the fifth? There's another church shooting this week. Two more ladies died in a Bible study, just going to church. We can't miss this. It's not just for us. The Holy Spirit's the power of God to change the world. We cannot afford to be cool Christians. The world does the world better than us. We need to be Holy Spirit filled, power entrusting, promise living, fire empowered men and women of God who trust that God is going to make the difference. Pentecost, not an event that happened 2,000 years ago. A reality for you today. But tradition tells us. How are we doing, church? You all right? I'm sweaty. But tradition tells I told you this is a different morning. But I want, I want us to understand it. Because if not, what we end up doing in church is that we only talk about the falling of the Holy Spirit. And then we argue over whether the gifts are for today or not. And we miss what God was trying to tell us all along. Like, is, do, do, do people speak in tongues? Not speak in tongues. Is there gifts? Not gifts. Is the spirit for today? Does he fall like fire? Not fall like fire. And we get, stop. Let's look at what it was. Let's see what, if my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same God that did it in Acts 2 is the same God that will do it today. But what is he going to do? Tradition tells us, Tradition tells us, now this is just tradition, but I believe it's backed up, and, backed up by what we're going to see. Tradition tells us that this day also celebrated the day the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. In Exodus 19, verse 1, it says, uh, they, they, they left on the, you know, the, the 15th day of the first month, and they got to Mount Sinai uh, in the beginning of the third month. And Scholars smarter than me have gone back and calculated the distance in the journey, and they believe and have believed, and at least definitely believed and taught during the time of Jesus, therefore all of the disciples as well, that this was the day that Moses went up the mountain and actually got the law from God, right? So it's not just about getting out of slavery and, and getting a new harvest, 
but it's about God making a new covenant with each person. Passover had set them free, but Pentecost would show them how to live in that freedom, how to live in that new relationship with God. So Exodus 19 verse 3 says this, Moses went up the mountain and God says, therefore, you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant. This is covenant. Then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Because Peter, the apostle, says later on in 1 Peter 2.9, because the Holy Spirit came, you and I are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people special, treasured to God. He is quoting this verse talking about the moment of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost from his perspective, being lived out in our lives. Why did God do those things? So that we could proclaim his light in a dark world. We could be carriers of his, uh, of his praises for people. That's what the Bible is saying. So God goes on and lays out the covenant with them. The Ten Commandments, right? We have over here the Ten Commandments. So they know how to live in the land that God was going to get, give them. From the very beginning, he was creating an environment for healthy community and healthy relationships. Healthy community and relationship for us with him and us with one another. We can't live out healthy relationships without the Holy Spirit. We do our best until our best isn't good enough. Because our best is tied together with our flesh. And there will be people you will never forgive. And there will be people you just can't love. And there will be people that you run out of patience with. And there are people that you refuse to be kind to. Because even though we try our best, we're broken and dysfunctional. It's why we need the Holy Spirit. This new way of living. To create an environment of health and wholeness for people. What I love about it, though, is that God does it with flair. Like, he doesn't just lay out the Ten Commandments. This was not like science class when the teacher just stood up there and kind of droned on about this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what you do. That's not how God did it. The Bible says in Exodus 19, he showed off. He did it with signs and wonders and with fire. The Bible says that a cloud like the smoke of a furnace with fire and thunderclaps and lightning descended on top of the mountain. And when the trumpet was sounding louder and louder, God spoke as if with thunder. God was showing off. I love it. So get this, if you will. Moses went up. The covenant came down with great power, with signs, and with fire. Moses went up, the covenant came down with signs and wonders and power and fire. That's why. Doesn't that remind you of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus says, come on, stay in the city and the spirit, my, my power, my power will descend on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, even to the ends of the earth. And then he ascends when he went up. What's the next thing that happens? The Spirit came down. The new covenant came down in signs, in wonders, in fire. So in the upper room, my friends, they would have been celebrating bringing their first fruits of the harvest to God. They would have been celebrating, rejoicing in how faithful he was in how much fruit he had given them. The bounty of the harvest, the provision that God had given. But they would also be thinking about this time. 
the time that God gave the covenant and the law with thunderclaps and fire. That's what they would have been reading in the Torah. That's what they would have been talking about as they sat around the table in the upper room. Do you remember when God did it? Do you remember when God did it? Do you remember when God did it? So they would not have missed the moment when the Shekinah glory cloud showed up. And tongues of fire started coming down. And a loud rushing wind and sound like thunder started to speak in that room. They would not have missed the moment that this was another Sinai moment. That God was doing something as powerful now as he did then. If that was about the old covenant, this is about the new covenant. They wouldn't have missed it. That's why Acts chapter 2 says when they were in the upper room, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. There was thunder. There was tongues of fire that descended. And each and every person got filled up. And they began to speak in tongues. And the nations who were gathered together there heard God speak in their own language. Because God wants to make himself clear to everyone through you. This day, my friends, this feast is about bringing us into a new culture, into a new power, into a new purpose. A new culture to live out through a new covenant that Jesus made. A new power to live out in a way that you and I were never able to live out before. And a new purpose, not just to be a part of the harvest, but to actually be a part of bringing in the harvest. There's a purpose. See, Pentecost is the celebration of bearing fruit. When we bring the good news to Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ to our world, and people come to Jesus, that's part of bearing fruit. It's part of a harvest that God has called you and I, not just the church institution, the church at large, not just corporate, individual, to bring about in our lives. It's celebrating the fruit that you and I could never have or they could not have produced in Egypt as a slave. Because when you and I were slaves to sin, we could not produce the, the fruit of the Spirit, no matter love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. We could not produce it no matter how hard we tried, no matter how hard and how, and how good we attempted to be. Because the truth is that the law that came down brought a dependence on religion. It brought a dependence on the religious, the actions, trying to be better. But the law actually showed us what we couldn't be. That's the whole thing. When you read the Old Testament, Paul says, man, there, the law wasn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with the law. It just showed you you couldn't do it. Which really helps us because if we break one law, we're guilty of all of them. So what it does is it shows me that I can't be good enough, I'll never be good enough, I can't be holy enough, so it can't be about me. If it can't be about me, it's got to be about Him. If I can't rely on me, then my whole reliance has to be on Him. Pen the law brought a dependence on the religious. Pentecost brings a dependence on the relational. That's why he places the Holy Spirit in us. He didn't just give us truth. He didn't just give us teaching. Moses gave us words written down that we had to try to follow. Jesus said, 
Been there, done that, didn't work before. I'm going to give you words to follow, but I know because of your flesh you can't follow it. So I'm going to put the spirit that's in me inside of you because the same spirit that's in me will help you live like me. That's it. What a God we serve. That's why Pentecost is the, is the fulfillment of Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 26, where it says, I'm going to write my laws on a new heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out your old heart. I'm going to put the new one in. I'm not going to write it on tablets of stone any longer. I'm going to write it on your heart. I'm going to put a new spirit inside of you. This is a paradigm shift. This is not living based on just commandments. It is living based on a relationship with the one who made the commandments. Israel thought that they were in relationship because they followed the commandments. Jesus told us, I'm going to give you commandments, but that's not about the relationship. I will live in relationship with you so you understand the commandments. Because you won't let me pick grain on a Sabbath, but I'm Lord of the Sabbath. You don't tell me how to live out my world. We all up in Jesus' business. He's like, do you know who I am? The reality is, my friends, in our world so often, we need to be set free from that kind of slave mentality that they had. The kind of slave mentality to works and self-reliance, to finding security in the things of the past, feeling more connected to where we have come from than where God is leading us to. That's why we need to get connected to the Jesus of Pentecost, not just the Jesus of Passover. Because Passover sets us free from where we've been. But Pentecost tells us about a God who's leading us to where we're going. And if we view our life only through the lens of where we've been, we will never have faith to move into where God is going. Because we will be afraid of losing it just like they were. Afraid of the obstacles that we faced. Afraid of not being powerful enough to overcome them. When we are too connected, come on, to the past, we will never step into the fullness of our future with God. That's why Romans 8.1 tells me that there's no condemnation in Jesus. That takes care of it. Passover took care of that. But the spirit of life helps me to overcome the spirit of death that's inside of me. That I can't walk anymore according to my own self. I now walk according to the Spirit. Why? I need the Holy Spirit. He sanctifies me. He's the one who convicts me of my sin because my self-righteousness tells me that my attitude with the barista this week at Starbucks was justified because the dude messed up my order. He didn't, wasn't doing his job. Oh, just me. I was in line this week. I was telling myself, I was in line this week. And I ordered something that I always order from Starbucks. And the dude told me they don't have that. And I said, I order that all the time. He says, sir, we don't have that. I said, I know you have it because I've been ordering Starbucks since 1972. Right? I mean, this is ridiculous. And I gave him, and I was like, fine, fine, just give me this. And I pulled up to the window, right? And I was like, whatever. And like, scan my thing. You know, it's when you're like, you don't even look. You kind of just give them a nod, scan the thing, whatever. And I pulled away, and Danielle looked at me, and she said, are you serious? Because like, if you ain't listening to the Holy Spirit, God gave you a wife. You know what I'm saying? 
She's like, oh, yeah, right. All the wives clapped. All the husbands are looking straight ahead, right straight ahead. She's like, are you serious? Is that kindness? I mean, was he out to get you? Is he like a Russian spy and he didn't want to give you your drink? He's just a dude working at Starbucks, man. Pastor Kyle. I was like, shut up. Don't use my sermon against me. I, I lost fruit of the Spirit over a Starbucks drink. That's how powerful your flesh is. And that's how quickly you'll justify that you are right in doing it. He didn't do his job. I've been ordering this all my life. Just trying to give him money. That company should be upset. She's like, God's upset. Not with your Starbucks drink, with you. Come on, somebody. Keeping it real. See, we think we can control the flesh. You can't. You need the Holy Spirit to convict you. And when that doesn't work, he brings friends around you to go, yo, dude. That's why we have to live in community. Because you'll think, man, I'm all good. And someone has seen every blind spot you've got. And you're like, just stay out of my business. And they're like, I can't because you are my business. Because last week we found out that I am my brother's keeper. Oh, I'm all off my notes. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what Pentecost is. It's not just to get a Holy Ghost moment, a, a feel, be slain in the spirit. All that stuff I believe is true, but it's not what it's about. It's about the power to live in a new covenant with God. The power to live in a way I couldn't live before, because before I couldn't be holy, no matter how hard I tried. But when the spirit of God comes in, he sanctifies me, he convicts me, he refines me, he defines me. Passover is freedom from slavery. But Pentecost gives us the power to walk in that covenant relationship with God. Because we are a covenant people. That's what the Ten Commandments were. They were a covenant. They were a marriage contract that we were unable to fulfill in our own humanity. So Jesus fulfilled the law and then gave us the fulfillment of that law so that we could live it out through his spirit. That's why Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of a relationship with God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why does Paul put that in there? Because he's bringing it back to this. The law said you had to do it, but you couldn't. Jesus said, I know you couldn't do it, so I'll do it through you. I think the beautiful thing, we're almost done, about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit of Pentecost is that he fills us with the power to be disciples that God created us to be and called us to be. The issue on Mount Sinai, as we look back, is that God revealed his power to people, but then they went to Moses and said, no, 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 we, don't, we can't do it. We don't, we're too afraid. We need a mediator. Just you go. We don't want to be a part of it. And at Sinai, God revealed his power to the people, but at Pentecost, God revealed his power in his people. God's plan in Pentecost is to reveal himself in you. In you. In you. In you. Through you. Into your marketplace. Through you. Yup, it matters 
how we show up. Yep, it matters whether we're on time or not. Yes, it matters whether we can be relied on. Yes, it matters whether we are truth tellers. Yes, it matters whether we have integrity. Yes, it matters whether we're patient with our boss, even though, come on somebody, he's the extra grace requiring person God put in our life. Yes, it matters. It matters. Because that's where he placed us. He wants to reveal his spirit through us. That's why Peter says on that day, this is the fulfillment of Joel 2.28. God wants to pour his spirit onto all flesh, both men and women. Don't you love the fact that God is an equal opportunity filler of his Holy Spirit? That God is not some religious institution that says men can and women can't? Because the Bible says I will pour out my flesh on all flesh. Men and women will prophesy. Men and women will dream dreams. Men and women will actually move in the gift of the Holy Spirit. In that upper room, there wasn't just men. There were men and women, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and all of them began to proclaim the praises of God. And from the voices even of women, people in the crowd heard the praise of God. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. In this room, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost to be a voice of God to the people He's placed you in. The crowd of your life, whatever it may be, you are not there by accident. God placed you in that crowd by on purpose. And it may just be a momentary crowd. That crowd wasn't staying there. They were from all over. You may only be at a job for a few months. It's not about a few months job. It's about living out the purpose of that job. Which isn't just to be a good worker. It's to bring the praises of God. This is what Jesus says is the fulfillment of John 4. Do you remember when uh, he's with the woman at the well and she says, well, I'm not sure. We worship this way. We, we, you worship that way. He says, it's not about the place. Time is coming and has now come when my pe people will worship in spirit and truth because God is spirit. Truth we already have in his word. The spirit is what we need. Spirit and truth. Pentecost fulfilled that moment. And the holy power of the Holy Spirit, my friends, is for all of us. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for the platform people, not just for the clergy, the full-time ministry. It is for everybody. Peter on that day is saying, by the way, everyone brought the gifts. Everyone brought the harvest. Peter says on that day, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, your children, and everybody who's far off. That means in time and space. For everyone who will believe. If you have never, ever experienced the Holy Spirit, it is available for you. You don't have to be good enough. It's not about your holiness. It's about the promise. My God is faithful to his promise. This promise, Peter says, is for you. This promise. It'll help you live out the new covenant. It'll help you to live in the new community. It'll help you actually bring in and produce the harvest personally and corporately, internally and externally. It'll help us and give us power to break strongholds over sickness, over depression, over disease, over things seen and unseen. It breaks the power of the world or the world and flesh that it has in our lives. The things we can't do on our own, the power of the Holy Spirit does. And isn't this why Jesus said he's going to give us the power in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Why? So that we could be his witnesses to the world. Not just so we could have cool, charismatic church services. We could be the witnesses to the world of the power of God. 
the goodness of God in the land of the living to produce and bring in a new harvest, not just to be a part of the harvest, but to bring in a new harvest. Church, we are called to bring in a new harvest. It's not about church advertisement. It's not about better social media presence. It's not about having better online presence. Do you know what it is? It's about men and women understanding you and I are meant to bring in a harvest, not just be a part of it. Jesus said in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. But pastor, you don't understand. This is the Northeast. People don't want to hear about God. Well, the same Jesus that made the Northeast is the same Jesus who said, Harvest is plentiful. He did not say the harvest is plentiful in the Midwest. The harvest is plentiful just down south. The harvest is plentiful in Georgia. He said the harvest is plentiful. What we don't have is laborers. So I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to send my spirit. And my spirit's going to empower some people to be laborers. We have, Pentecost tells us, we've got no excuse. We've got no excuse for the Great Commission. Because lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So here it is. This is what a royal priesthood and a holy nation looks like. A church, a people, living relationally with God and with one another by the fruit of the Spirit. Overcoming the flesh in the world through the power of the Spirit. And actually purposed on bringing in the harvest with the gifts of the Spirit. You want to know what Pentecost is about? That's it. How do we live with each other? Fruit of the Spirit. How do I overcome the world? By the power of the Spirit. What's the purpose that I have in my life? To bring in the harvest by the gifts of the Spirit. No excuse. He's with us, even to the end of the age. Pentecost isn't about whether or not we are simply Pentecostal people. It's not an ideology or a theology. It was always meant to be a reality for people. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for the gifts of the Spirit to fall on you. I'm going to pray for the sound of a rushing wind to come. I'm going to pray for your life to be filled. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but man, we leak. We need the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been taught like I was growing up, the Holy Spirit isn't for today, but God says Pentecost. Pentecost is an everlasting feast. So my theology cannot trump God's word. My tradition does not trump God's word. Holy Spirit, for yesterday, today, and forever. We need the fruit of the Spirit so that we can live together. We need the power of the Spirit to break the yoke on this world. And we need the gifts of the Spirit to bring in a harvest because our world needs it. Let's pray. Before we pray, and I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to fill us in this place, the first part of that is coming to Jesus. The first part is coming to Jesus, giving your life to him. 
asking him to forgive you, accepting him with the gift that he gave at Pentecost. This is the first, at Passover, that's the first part of this. The Bible tells us that on that day when Moses brought down the Ten, the Ten Commandments and the law, that the people had refused God. They chased after their own idols, and 3,000 people died because they rejected God. But in that upper room when the Holy Spirit fell, 3,000 people were saved that day because they trusted the gospel. They trusted Jesus. They trusted that God was enough. Today, can I say to you, God's enough. God's enough. God's enough. God's enough. He always puts in front of us life or death, blessing or cursing, and he tells us to choose life. Today, my friends, life is found in Jesus. And if you've never actually asked Jesus into your heart, if you've actually never asked him to be Lord and Savior, I'm asking you to do that right here and right now. It's as easy as simply confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing what he did on the cross was enough that you don't have to add to it. All you have to do is receive it. And if you are here today and that's what you want, a relationship with the living God filled with his spirit, living out in victory, today it starts with accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if that's where you are, we're all going to pray, but you pray from the bottom of your heart. The God of heaven will meet you right here. Just say with me, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with, my, with your spirit. Make me your child. I choose today to live full on for you. And I will never go back. I'm going to live for your glory in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray over everybody in church. Will you stand with me really quickly? Will you stand with me really quickly? We're almost done. Kevin's going to come in a minute to receive our first fruit offering. Our tithe. But before we do that, I want to stand here and I want to tell you I believe that the Feast of Pentecost did not stop in Acts chapter 2 in A.D. 33. I believe that the Feast of Pentecost is an everlasting feast that, that is passed down through generation and generation and generation. As Peter said, the promise is for you and for your children, for all those who are far off who will believe the promise of the Holy Spirit, of fruit of the Spirit, of the power of the Spirit, of the gifts of the Spirit, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. This isn't something to be afraid of. This is something to be embraced. This is something to be rejoicing and celebrated. This is something to open up our heart to. So today, if today you are saying, God, here I am, pour out the spirit of Pentecost on me, would you just lift up your hands just kind of as a sign of surrender to God. It's not about what God is doing in your neighbor. It's about what God wants to do in you today. Father, you see every hand that is raised around this room. You heard the cry of our lips as we worship from the first moment, the first second of church today, crying out, we need a fresh wind. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a move of you. Holy Spirit, fall on us. Fresh and anew, baptized people with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill us up to be fruit bearers of your character for the world. Lord God, pour out your gifts inside of people, new and afresh today. New vision, new dreams, new gifts of prophecy and signs and wonders and miracles, Lord God. It is not us 
who produced this. It is trusting in your word that produces it. We trust in you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill afresh and anew. Fill us to overflowing today. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, church. Just start. Take a moment. You cry out. Don't be, let's not be like the people in Israel in the wilderness that said, Moses, you go talk to God. I can't talk to him. Come on. He's given you the ability through the Spirit to talk to God. Talk to him. Cry out. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Be the river of God inside of me that you promised. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, the old song says. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors and sets the captives free. What? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Daddy, we trust you. We trust you today. Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. Not a theology, a reality. Not a concept, a philosophy, a person. Holy Spirit, come. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come. Fruit of the Spirit. Power of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remind them. Stand on that truth. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus. You will never break your promise. You're a promise-keeping God. Holy Spirit, come. Hey, worship team, can you guys come really quick? We're just going to worship. We're going to sing. Church, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna end in worship today. This is what I know. You know all around the room there are envelopes, there are kiosks, there's ways to give online. I'm not even going to take time. Because today we should not even have to worry about taking time to talk about offering. This is our first fruit. This is a celebration. The time I want to take for offering, I want to reclaim back as an offering of our lives up to God right now. Because what this church needs, what this world needs, is men and women filled with the Holy Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are crying out for more of the Spirit. And if you don't get enough today, cry out tomorrow. And if you're not satisfied tomorrow, cry out the next day. And keep crying out, and crying out, and crying out as a voice crying out in the wilderness until Jesus shows up and the Spirit falls afresh and anew. It may be day 8, it may be day 28, it may be day 38, but day 50 is coming. Come on, my God is a miracle-working God. My God is a faithful God. Church, come on, let's cry out. We need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Make it a prayer this night. Come on. Hallelujah. Church, let's sing this song as a cry out. Yes. As a prayer to God from our hearts.
We can hear the wind. It's blowing, blowing, blowing. blowing. Move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind. place today with that prayer on our lips, <laughs> a holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out. As people drive home in the car, pour your spirit out. As they rest today, pour your spirit out. As they rise tomorrow and head off to work, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out in the fruit of the spirit. Pour your spirit out in the power of the spirit. Pour your spirit out in the gifts of the spirit. Move in us. Move through us. Move out of us. Move in the world around us. Daddy, we need you. Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Your name is the name above every name. Our nation needs you. Our marketplace needs you. Our teenagers need you, Lord God. Our young people need you, Lord God. Our generation needs you, God. Blow upon us a fresh wind. This promise is for us and our children and all those who will follow and believe that you are the promise-keeping God. Now go with each and every person in this room. Empower us. Help us to live the life you've called us to live for the purpose you created us for. Help us not just to be a part of the harvest, but to be a part of bringing in the harvest. In Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in your name, my King, we pray. And together we say, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Go in the power of the Spirit. Go get a harvest and live this life in the power of God.